0: I am so thankful to be here. I'm thankful that you're here. Um, I'm Pastor Jonathan. I'm over worship and student ministries. Um, And so typically I'm up here leading, so I'm kind of out of my element. But Pastor has asked me to come up this morning. I want to give honor to Pastor and his family. You know, when I first had heard of Anthony Braswell, it was at Tanglewood, where I originally was, where he uh, was working. And he had left before I came there. And so whenever I'd hear the name Anthony Braswell, I'd hear of this legend, this guy who just... Took ministry to a next level, right? And for 10 years, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he sounds awesome. And then years later, I come to be on staff, and you know, I had all these expectations of who this legend was, right? And when I came to know him, he exceeded every expectation I had. And what's awesome is, he comes in here week in and week out, he breaks down scripture in such a relatable and authentic way, and I think that's because a fraction of what he does is preach, the rest of what he does is he lives out what he preaches on stage. He does not come up and teach you something he's not going to do himself. And I've seen that as, as, as a husband to his wife, as a father to his kids, as a leader, as a boss. And I just want to give him credit this morning. So can we give Pastor Anthony and his, his family honor this morning? Thank you for trusting me with your people. Thank you. I also want to give another family uh, some honor this morning. My family is here this morning. Can we give them a round of applause? They drove an hour and a half to hear me speak when they could have just called me or watch online, but they are here. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, how many Denver Broncos fans do we have in the house? Any? Ooh, ooh, okay. How many Seattle Seahawks fans do we have in the house? Okay, okay, that's a better response. So you probably remember either way, Super Bowl 48. Okay, 2014, Super Bowl 48, okay? So by halftime Seattle Seahawks are up twenty-two to zero. All right. By the time we get into the third quarter, it's 36 to zero. And that's the only quarter that the Denver Broncos score, right? So they completely take them out. Now, being the comic book nerd that I am with no loyalty to any sports team, except for Duke, when my aunt's here, I love Duke. Um, having no real loyalty to any sports team, really, I, that, that stuff doesn't interest me. When I talk about sports numbers, I, I don't really care about that. What I do care about, though, is that halftime show that year was who? Do you remember? Bruno Mars, yes it was. I love Bruno Mars, I love the energy he brings to the stage, I love how he's able to engage with the crowd, and to give you a better visual, I have a video queued up just to see how well he did um, that year, so take a look right here. It was awesome, unlike this year. Um, It was so great. I love his music. I love how he engages with the crowd, right? What did you notice about this video? The people who were in the crowd, that one girl who went crazy because she thought she was going to be famous for being on camera, right? All these people, they were like so enthralled with this one guy, right? Bruno Mars was, was doing such a great job entertaining. Why am I talking about Bruno Mars in church? Here's why. The video you just saw was an example of worship. Huh? We'll get that in a second. We'll break that down in just a second. Before, before I get into it, the series that we've been going through is called Breaking Free. And Pastor Anthony has asked me to close out this series. And what he has been talking about is emphasizing freedom, right? And so last week we were talking about addictions, right? We are talking about how addictions, typically we can think of substances or alcohol or whatnot. But addiction could be almost anything, right? We can have addiction to acceptance. You know, we want to be liked by everybody. We can have addiction to social media. we got to know what's going on in everybody's lives, right? And let's be honest, we can have an addiction to food. That's me. I don't know about you, but I'm addicted to food. I sometimes eat too much, right? And so, as we went through Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5... That was the, the, the verse that we had gone through. It says that, that we do not wage weapons of warfare of flesh, but rather divine power to break down the strongholds. And so his point was these addictions that we have in our lives, they're not something that has a stay with us. It doesn't have to become our identity. We can break free of those things because we have the power to do so. And so to continue on this idea of freedom, I want to talk about something that I think that can give us true freedom, and that's worship. And when we think about worship... I'm not just talking about something we do on a Sunday morning, right? That's, that's something that we do every single day. And you say, well, why did you bring up that video? Well, that was actually an example of worship. And here's why. If we break down the word worship, you actually see it comes from the Old English term, "worthshipe." I think that's how you pronounce it. "worthshipe." If we break that down, if you look at the first half of this word, it means value or worth. Okay? You look at the second part of it, it means quality or condition. So let's turn back to, to this video. Let's look at it. When you were probably watching it, some of you maybe were excited that, that Bruno Mars was, was doing the halftime show, right? Or maybe for some of you, you have a favorite sports team or movie or actor, whatever, fill in the blank. For me, it's going to be Bruno Mars, right? So at this time, I, I kind of watched through the, the, the game just so I could get this halftime show, and it was awesome. But at that moment, I was so engaged, I was so focused on what was happening in front of me, everything else around me just kind of paused, right? So based on the quality and condition of who he is as a person and an entertainer, how much worth did I give him? I gave him a lot of worth because I watched a game I didn't care about just to watch him perform for 13 minutes, right? So that was the worth I gave to him, right? What was the worth that you gave to him or whatever that might be, the thing that you give worth to, right? And here's another question that we have to ask as followers of Christ. How much worth do you give to God based on his quality and his condition? Based on who God is, how much... Worth are you ascribing to him now when we talk about worship we're not just limited to what we do in here on a Sunday morning within four songs right that's an aspect of worship but that's not fully what encompasses worship as we just mentioned worship means to give value to something how much is it worth to me but have you ever heard in regards to Sunday morning service someone's like man worship was awesome today really what made it? I like awesome. What made it awesome? And they're like, well, they had a great band. The lights were on point. The sound was really good. Man, it was just so awesome. Worship was awesome. So is that, is this what worship is? Is that the standard of worship? Everything that was just said? Let's, let's flip it around to the other side. Whew, man, worship was terrible. I went to this church. They didn't have any instruments at all. They had nothing but house lights. They didn't have any LEDs in there. The, the guy who was singing was messing up with the words, and it was acapella, but he shouldn't have been singing at all because he was just off-key. He was terrible, right? And so they, they say that worship's terrible. Well, is it this example that's worship, and this is not worship? Right? We kind of ask ourselves, like, what is the standard of worship? And when we look at both of those examples, neither of them are right, and we're going to dive into Scripture and see exactly what Jesus says about worship. So if you turn with me into John chapter 4... <coughs> We're going we're to talk about the woman at the well. A lot of you know about the story of the woman at the well, but I actually want to focus on the conversation that's happened, that happens after this whole uh, beginning conversation with Jesus that she has. So basically, as a recap, Jesus goes to this well. This woman goes to this well, Samaritan woman goes to this well. At the time of day, she thought we, she wasn't going to get caught, right? And so Jesus comes to this well, fully knowing that she's going to be there, asks for a drink of water, and she's like, Why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a Jewish man. We shouldn't even be having conversation. And he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask for for the living water. And she's like, where's this living water? What? What are you talking about? Well, go get your husband. Um, I don't have a husband. You're absolutely right. You actually have five husbands, and the man you're living with right now is not even one of them. And after that, she says, sir, you must be a prophet. And right after that is, is where I want to go into. So we kind of know that story, but typically... Even for me, I typically stop right there, and that's kind of it for me. But as we go deeper into Scripture, we see this is what it says. So in verse 20, it picks up. It says, So tell me, this is from the Samaritan woman to Jesus. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship?" Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. For it's about him, for salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming, indeed, is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so those two things is what I want to focus on right now. I want to focus on spirit and truth, okay? So we go through this text, and, and the Samaritan woman is basically like, well, you Jews say we're supposed to worship here. But I know that here on Mount Gerizim is where our ancestors worship. So which one is it? Right? And we go back to that modern example of is, is worship with all the lights and the good singing? Or is worship without lights and instruments and maybe bad singing? You know? So she's kind of asking the same question, like, which way is right? And he's saying neither is right because there's going to become a time where you're not worshiping in either place. The Father's looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. So... What does that mean to worship in spirit and truth? So we're going to dive into spirit first. I think sometimes as a follower of Christ, we run into these uh, Christianese terms, you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and we hear some of these terms and we're, we're, we acknowledge and we're familiar with them, but we don't know how to explain them. So if I say worship in spirit, some of you might think like, is that like an outer body experience? Like I kind of, I leave my body and I see that I'm worshiping. Like, no, that's not what it is. It's not anything spooky or weird like that. I'm going to break it down in three points. Okay, I know some of you like to take notes, so I'm going to break it down in three points for worshiping in spirit, okay? And here's the first point. It takes place in a spiritual realm. Now, what does that mean? At one point in your life, you made a decision that you weren't going to be the god of your own life, right? You weren't going to set your own morals or your own standards or goodness. You you were living a life before where you just kind of did what you want, right? And maybe for some of you it was at a young age, maybe for some of you it was just a few years ago. And you decided, you let Holy Spirit convict you, and you went to a service or conference or whatever, and you decided, I'm going to live my life for Christ. I'm not going to be the, the person who runs my own life. I'm going to give it to someone else, right? So you made that decision, and Scripture says when we made that decision, we are no longer our old selves. We are dead to our old selves. We are now new creation in Christ, right? And so as you're a new creation, you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And so at that point, you're able to worship in spirit, right? If you're an atheist, and, not, and, and I'm not talking about an atheist who maybe is pursuing like the truth. I'm talking about someone who just doesn't want anything to do with God, just completely does not believe. That person can't worship in spirit because they can't, they can't have something to dwell in them they don't believe in or don't want. They reject. And you can add that to any other religion, right? And so to worship in spirit means to worship in a spiritual realm. It also means that you can worship whenever and wherever, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we, we talked about, um, you know, Matthew 22 says that, that we are to love God with all we have and love others as ourselves. Those are two greatest commandments. And so to be a living sacrifice means to sacrifice what you want, right? To not do things selfishly, but to focus outwardly, right? So that's worship in itself. But you can do that anywhere. (coughs) An example of of where this might be awkward for things that aren't worshiping God is Friday night I met with Nick. We talked about uh, Zion stuff, and I know that Duke and North Dakota State were playing Friday night, correct? Am I right? okay yes I know sports things okay so they were playing Friday night and I was over there and we were just kind of discussing whatnot. and Debbie I think they won right okay they won hallelujah okay so and they ended up winning right so the game went on that night okay so what if what if that morning you knew the game was going on right and you're in like a business meeting it was 9 a.m. and the game took place at night and you're in this business meeting you're in this office with people talking about business and you're, you're, you're in this meeting, and then out of nowhere, come on, Zion, let's go, let's go, take it home, we can win, right? And you just kind of shout that out of nowhere. Like, everybody would be very confused, like, what are you doing? That game's not until night. what are you talking about? And so, not only are you embarrassing yourself because you're in the wrong place, but it's also the wrong time. You're not there at that game, you're not in front of a television, and it's in the morning, it comes on at night. That'd be very weird. And most things that we do in our life are very regimented, so it has to be at the right time in the right place. And my point is, whenever it comes to worship, that's not the case. It can literally be anywhere in any time. There's not a set time. So we come here on Sunday mornings, and you know, as Pastor Anthony had talked about a couple weeks ago, sometimes we think of worship as a noun. Like, that's the part of the service that we come into, right? And no, it's a verb. It's what we do. And so even though that's the time of when we worship on Sunday morning, that's not the only time that we worship as followers of Christ. So, third point, your full focus is on Him. OK, Matthew 15 uh, verse seven through nine should be on the screen. I only have verse eight. Uh, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, "These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And so in this portion, just a little bit of context, the Pharisees, as usual, were trying to trip up Jesus, and they failed. And they were like, Jesus, why are your disciples disobeying our traditions? Don't they know better? And Jesus is like, why, you even, why do you uphold these traditions? Why do they even matter? Right? And that's when he goes on to, to, to say these things, to say that you're, you're nothing but hip- hypocrites, right? And saying that they honor me with their lips, so on the outside it looks good, but on the inside they don't mean it. It's just kind of what they want to show everybody else, right? Just kind of to draw attention. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can do the same thing. And so we talk about these three points, about worshiping in spirit, right? And, and one thing I, I want to talk about real fast is um, there should be a, a, an official signals slide up there, and it kind of just goes over the different levels of worship, right? Maybe some of you have seen this. I just want to go over this real fast. So for some of you, you, you might have, have other levels of worship you might be in or whatnot, but this kind of covers all your bases. And so if you're like a rookie worshiper, right, maybe you have your hands in your pocket, and you don't, wanna, you don't want to engage or anything, but you, you don't want to just stand there like a, like a fool. So you're just kind of, break every chain, yeah, break every chain, right? You're just kind of doing this thing, right? Or then maybe you upgrade, you take your, your hands out of your pocket, you're carrying the TV, right? And then if you're real deep in worship, you, you you'd carry a big screen, Right? So as you go through things, as you get to intermediate level, this made me think of Adam Petrowski because he fishes all the time. Maybe you're up at this level, my fish is this big, right? My fish is this big. Hold the baby, right? For all you Lion King fans, Mufasa, you kind of lift up Simba, right? If we go to the next slide, we'll see that there is a pro and expert level, right? And this is where it starts to get interesting, okay? So you have the dueling light bulbs. You're kind of up here. You got a higher level, but now you got some motion with your hands, right? So you're kind of at this, you know? This is one of my favorite ones because it has a lot of motion I like it. So this is the goalpost, right? So you're here, but you also have heartburn, right? So you're kind of, sometimes you're here and then sometimes you're here and you go back and forth, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And then out on the right, you see all these different ways that you can actually point your hand. So you can do the pointer, you can do the hatchet, you can do the schoolroom, room, and so there's so many ways that you can get at the pro level, right? Um, now this bottom level I kind of renamed it it says expert but I actually um, I call it the Boyd level and for For those of you who know Hunter Boyd, uh, you know where I'm going with this. Um, And I'll kind of break that down in just a second. So as you see, you have the village people, you have the Rocky, you have the touchdown. And these are all fully extended. And when I think of this, I think of Hunter. Because he's kind of the village people, but like at a 15 degree behind him. And and in his head, this is what happens. In his head, he thinks that he's like from the waist forward, like going down like 15 degrees in his head. But in, in reality, when you're standing beside him like I was this morning, he's more like this. He's kind of like you know? But I know he doesn't think he's that low, because if he knew, he wouldn't. <laughs> so he's just kind of like this. So when I think of this level of worship, I think of Hunter Boyd. So there you go, Hunter. hope you like that. <laughs> so it is possible to worship with these motions and not have any truth, right? So on the outside, we look good. We can do these things, right? It's possible to wor- worship in spirit, but maybe not in truth. Maybe you look good on the outside. I would never judge Hunter's authenticity of worship. I truly believe that he's worshiping the God of, of everything, the creator of the universe. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can look good on the outside and be dead on the inside. And so that's why we have to look also at truth. We can't just worship in spirit. We also have to worship in truth. So we're going to break that down real fast. So we talk about worshiping in truth, right? So we have three points for this. It has to be authentic and intentional. Right? So that goes back to this thing where you're, you're, you look alive on the outside, but you also got to be alive on the inside, right? You can't just be singing and professing the things that you are and your heart is far from him, just like it said in their in text. The saying that they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can't just be rolling around on the ground and, and, and dancing around without any type of truth in what you're doing. Otherwise, you're just drawing attention to yourself. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with charismatic worship, but there has to be some sustenance to it, right? Secondly, it has to be according to the word and the gospel of your salvation. Now, this should get about every hand in here, I'm hoping. So, raise your hand if you can testify something God has done good in your life. Raise your hand. That should be about everybody in this building, right? Okay. Now, raise your hand if you respond accordingly in worship because of what he's done. That's a smaller number, right? Yeah. And I think it's because for some of us, we, you know, we worship in truth. Maybe we're the, the rookie level. We're the elbow flapper. We're just kind of right here. We're just kind of, yeah, break every chain, break every chain. You know, we're kind of right there at that level. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I'm saying sometimes we get so scared of what other people may think that we hinder ourselves from responding openly from what the Lord has done in our life, right? We have to believe, trust, and profess God to be who he says that he is. And so I think it's just so dangerous sometimes if we get into this idea of, you know, we watch other churches and how charismatic they are, and maybe we emulate that, but we emulate it in action only, and we don't emulate it with, with what our hearts line up. So our, our, our spiritual worship has aligned with our, our... our physical bodies have to align with our spiritual worship, right? You can't just have one without the other. And thirdly, as you worship in truth, it has to be in Christ, John 14, 6 says this, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I think if you've been in church for a long time, it's it's a dangerous transition if you're not careful, but you can almost become your own savior. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like if you're not careful and you don't check yourself, you can almost be like, well, man, God, I can't believe how many people we saved this week. Like, whoo, man, we're on the ball. I went to the homeless shelter, and man, you're really working me. Like, I really reached a lot of people. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't acknowledge the things that we do that worship God, but sometimes, if we're not careful, we can insert ourselves as the Savior instead of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And it's a very fine line if we're not careful and we focus on good works rather than what Jesus is doing through us, Right? And so when I say in Christ, we have to make sure that everything we're doing as far as worshiping is through salvation in Him. And so it is possible then to worship in truth, but not in spirit. You know, it it might not be authentic. We might not be trusting God. (coughs) And in this way, you might see someone who is more legalistic, right? They have a lot of head knowledge. Like, this is a person that you could probably talk to, and they know the Bible inside and out. They watch nothing but apologetics videos and follow people who, like, just, like, research into the Bible very hard. And you're like, man, you're a weirdo. You should be doing other things with your time, but that's just all they do. And so we, we talk about, you know, worshiping in truth, right? But sometimes if we're so hardcore in truth, we're not focused on responding outwardly with how God has moved in our lives, right? So sometimes we can be alive on the outside and be dead on the inside. Sometimes we can be fully alive on the, out, on the inside, know everything about the Word and what it says and how it convicts us, but we're so scared of what's going around us that we're scared to respond on the outside, right? So if you don't have one or the other, it's going to be detrimental. Because think about it, if a new guest was to come in here this morning during worship, would they even know what you're doing? Would they even know that you're worshiping the Lord and creator of everything? Could you attest to that this morning, that what I'm doing is giving the Lord worship? And now, what I'd said earlier is that not everything that a trip we, we talk about as worship is what we do just in here, right? This is just an aspect of it, right? So this applies not only to what we do in here, but what we do outside of these four walls, right? It it really depends on on how we are acting outside of these walls because we have influence every single day. And in those certain situations, it says in our our text, to bring your body as a living sacrifice, right? So it's kind of easy to do that in here. We have a lot of fellow Christians, so we can kind of sacrifice ourselves and give of our time and whatnot around them. But when it comes to people who need it most, how much do we do that? How much do we sacrifice ourselves for others, even if they don't know Christ? Right, because I don't think it it, it tells us to, to go out and make disciples of people who you know is going to believe in Christ. Right, that's not what it says. It Says go into the world and make disciples of all nations, and that has to encompass everybody, regardless if they're an atheist, regardless of whether you think that you can convert them, which you never can, because that's not your job. This Holy Spirit's job, right? So maybe you have these people in your life, and you're like, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather keep my worship in the worship bin of my life. And keep this with the the work bin of my life, right? You kind of separate it, right? How wrong is that? How much should this encompass everything we do, not just work, but how we interact with our family and our friends, all relationships, right? So this worship thing is not just what we do here. But I want there to be an understanding because if we can corporately understand it here, where we have a following of, of Christ followers in here who raise us up, who are able to worship together with us, how much more encouraged are we going to be to go out of these walls and do the same to others? So it's not that I just want to focus on what we do in here, but if what we do in here can be so powerful that if a new guest was to come in, they knew exactly what we were doing, then it's going to be much easier when we go out. Because I know during your work week, Monday through Friday, there's a lot of you maybe who come home, and maybe you aren't Real, real happy with how your day went, and then that spills out over all of your family, right? Maybe you have had a bad day at work, and that spills into your relationship with your spouse. And so, you know, if we're not careful, it's not that we're just focusing on worship, we're focusing on a way of life. And I hope and pray that, that as we talk about through the Scripture, as it says to worship in spirit and truth, in John 4.23, when it tells us that the Father is looking for those who are worshiping spirit and truth— Can you ask yourself the question, is that me? Is that us? As a church, as a family, as a follower of Christ, are you the one who is representing God? Are you a living sacrifice by worshiping in spirit and in truth? So then you translate that to everything, right? Someone wants to come to you for, with a problem they have. You don't just seem on the outside, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And on the inside, you're like, man, I just want to get away from this person, right? Like, that's, being, that's spirit and no truth, right? Or maybe that you are listening, but you just have this dead, miserable face, like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And in the inside, you know that you're like, oh, man, I have like seven ways I can help this person. But on the outside, it looks like I just want to talk to somebody else, Right? And so these things translate to everything that we do. It's not just about what we do in here, but I, I pray that it starts somewhere in here as a corporate body of Christ, right? And so as the, as the worship team begins to play, as they come up and I close out, what I want to do is this. I want to really give the why behind what we do, right? So we had talked about um, the what. We had described the definition of what worship is, broken it down, we had talked about what it means to worship in spirit and truth as Jesus commands us to, you know. At the end of the day, we, we as, as people who follow Christ, have to ask ourselves, like, is it really about a hymnal? Is it about a choir? Is it about modern contemporary worship? Is it about instruments? Is it about lights? Are either of these right, or is it just the fact that with these things or without these things, I have the ability to worship in spirit and in truth? And when you think that way, no matter if you go to a conference that has differing music than what you're listening, than you're used to, or to a different church, or if you go to work, whatever that may be, are you worshiping in spirit and truth, are or or others able to see on the outside and the inside? And so before we go into this last song, I want to kind of set up an illustration for us to better understand the gospel this morning. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Really close your eyes. I'm not actually raise your hand. I just want you to imagine this. Clear your mind of everything. Remove all frustrations, all stressors, remove everything that you know you have to deal with at home whenever you get home this afternoon. Remove that. None of that is important at this time. Instead, imagine that you are in a courtroom by yourself, standing before a judge. And this judge is God. He reads off all these charges against you. Keep imagining, you're in this courtroom and God is in front of you. He reads off these charges and says that you are guilty. The judge says, Given the crimes and because I am just, I have no other choice but to sentence you to life in prison. At that time, you can only think, oh my God, my life is over, freedom is gone. You deserve it, and you know you deserve it. Your life will never be the same. But before the gavel hits, you hear a voice from behind. Wait! I'll take the punishment. I'll do the time. I'll give my life for theirs. And as this man comes to take your place, you realize who it is is Jesus, innocent, blameless, perfect Jesus. And as the guards take him away in shackles, he looks back and says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And you walk out of the courtroom free, but not just free. You will never be charged with another crime again because of what he did. This is the gospel. What is your response? If this is the gospel, what is your response? So as the worship team makes their way up,